Warning, the following podcast contains adult language and childish comedy. Listener discretion is advised. And now, please adjust your headphone volume to an unreasonable level and enjoy the most dynamic and electrifyingly entertaining podcast ever to conquer cyberspace. friends and welcome to the most powerful podcast ever created the amazing pop culture podcast starring dags and res as always powerful episode today and somewhere literally here oh you're in studio in barn yes across this powerful oaken desk is dj michael res what's up dags what's up amazing friends it's this good is to weird. see you yeah it's strange you're here That's you're not right. a hologram no that last time i checked no you're real yeah, yeah well I'm here. You're keeping it real. Always keeping it real. Yes. Be real. Keeping yes. it real. Real as they come. My imaginary friends have a hard time keeping it real. Do they really? They do. It's sad. Hello, friends. Welcome back. Welcome back to the most powerful podcast ever created. Today, we have a powerful episode. We're going to do top five guitar riffs. Now, there is no, as they always say, no particular order, no nothing. We're just... You know, I was thinking iconic. Most of them are iconic, but it's just, right. I kind of left it open. Whatever we think is cool guitar riffs, and hopefully you probably heard most of them before, maybe you haven't. So I'm just going to start us off, Mike or DJ Rez. Just like that, huh? Yes. No foreplay? Just, like that. just right into it. Yes. Awesome. You got to do it. <laughs> Money for nothing. What? Money for nothing. Isn't that the best? It is pretty good. Because it's got the coolest intro. You know, you got Sting saying, I want my... And you got those drums. Those drums are just building. Right. I mean, just building to a crescendo, and then it just, boom. goes. That is, I don't care what you say, that is an incredible guitar riff. And as far as guitar riffs go, it lasts forever, which is what you want. And it's just got ding, 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 ding. I mean, the way he strums is alternative picking. He's just, that dude knows how to play guitar. Of course, we are talking about Dire Straits. It is their second track off their fifth studio album, Brothers in Arms, 1985, off of Vertigo Records. And it's about, you know, working class dogs because mm-hmm. you love Rick Springfield. <laughs> it's about a bunch love of dudes. Rick Springfield. Yeah. But a bunch of dudes that work for a living watching music videos and look at those losers. They right. get paid for prancing around and wearing makeup and we got to install... Custom kitchens, <laughs> microwave, <laughs> microwave ovens. <laughs> that song, I mean, I don't care what you're into, that guitar riff is awesome. It, it stops you, and you do listen, and it's really great, and it's the one you want to turn up really loud and roll down your windows in the summer. You want to just keep, keep that going. If you could put that guitar riff on a loop, I would... I would enjoy that and just keep listening yes. to it over and over again. Mark Knopfler is an incredible guitar player. Knopfler. Yeah, Knopfler. And you know who he's uh, influenced by? Jimi Hendrix. Close. ZZ oh. Top, Billy Gibbons. Uh, rest in peace. Is he dead? No. Okay. No, but it's just an, I, I love that guitar riff. Yep. Starting us off hot, starting us off hard. 
Money for nothing. Chicks for free. Yes. Always chicks for free. Yes. Oh, look at you. I hate the game. I don't hate the player. True. Yes. True that, homie. All right. In no particular order for me, except for the order that I'm going to read them in. Number two. Number two. The Animals House of the Rising Sun. It is uh, a song that's been recorded a lot. It's a folk song. Uh, everybody puts their own little twist on it. And Eric Burden, the Burden is how you pronounce his name? Yes. The lead singer. Beast of uh, Burden. Right. He first heard the song in a club in Newcastle, England, um, and he decided that he was going to take it and put their their twist on it. They were on tour with Chuck Berry at the time. This was like 1964, 1963 in that area. Um, and they chose it because he, he knew it was going to be distinctive and he wanted the animals to end their set on tour with this because he said a lot of, a lot of groups were ending their, their encores with straight rock songs and he wanted to stand out. Um, it became a big hit um, and they were able to convince their reluctant producer, Mickey Most, uh, that it had some potential uh, and they recorded the song in between tour stops and they recorded it in a studio in Kingsway, London. Um, and they were, uh, it went, uh, went, I was going to say it went viral, but it doesn't go, it didn't go viral back in the sixties. Just got a lot of airplay. A lot there was of radio no viruses play. in the sixties. The, uh, word of mouth started getting around that, uh, they were ending, uh, their tour with the song that a lot of people had not heard of, especially here in the United States. Cause folk music, uh, like that it was bigger in the uk that's where the song came from was like uh, a big uh english folk song but it's got that beginning of that where they're just like picking and it's a little slower song it's not like a hard rocking song uh so it was definitely something that stuck out and was different at the time and it worked why do you like it uh i like the gravelly voice in the song and that's what gets me and then he's yelling by the end of it so grabs your attention that way as far as guitar you like the intro yeah it's just like that ding, 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 ding. you know just it's not driving it's just it's slow and it builds and it, it just it triggers the the tones of my ears it tickles my ears wow yes powerful i like it thank you for sharing that now i'm gonna go my next powerful song will be rush of chorus limelight Powerful song off the 1981 album, Moving Pictures. Talk about iconic. Lyrics, of course, were written by Neil Peart. But the video is so cool because it, it's recorded out. They're out in the wilderness. And, and you, know, you see the studio out in the snow. Powerful wolves and yeah, just conjures everything. Yep. And just that guitar riff when he hits it. Excellent. What's so cool is with music, a lot of these guitar riffs, the silence in between is just as powerful as actual stroke of the powerful pick. I agree with that. Yes. It's just the silence. Playing it in my head. Yes. And I hope you enjoy the silence. But it's a silence on top of that powerful guitar riff, limelight. I think it's it's the sound of silence. It is. Thank you. It really gets you going. But seriously, though, it is because we got to get serious. We're talking rush. But. (laughs) I love that guitar riff. And they, ha- they have so many to choose from, but I thought Limelight, powerful song, 
off a powerful, arguably their most powerful album, Moving Pictures. How good did that song do? Do you have the charts in front of you to tell us? I could probably look it up. Uh, it was released as a single. Yep. Charted number four on the U.S. Billboard Top Tracks chart. Number 55 on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. Nice. Yes. That's the only chart I care about right there. Yes. 55. Not bad. Not bad. The thing with Rush is and Led Zeppelin and a lot of these iconic rock bands, they weren't pop stars. No. No, they were album rock stars. It was all about the album rock, and the fan base is so deep and so powerful. Like Def Leppard right now is making more money than they did back in the 80s. Right. It's just amazing. Yeah. So they just build an audience. It's like Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. It just keeps selling billions of copies. Is Rush more popular now than they were when they were touring and making new music? Like when when this song came out, Moving Pictures came out when it's released. Would you say they're more popular now or are they popular just as popular? Well, I think they're more popular now because you have had movies made about them and documentaries and and the the fans back then in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, you know, have kids and their kids and they introduce the younger kids to Rush. So it, they're probably more powerful and more popular than ever. Sure, I could see that. Plus, unfortunately, it helps when members of the band start dying because then people start talking about them more. And I'm not saying it's good that no, he's no, dead. No, 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 no. You know I, 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 I get you know it. what I mean? I don't even think... Because now people were talking about Rush and some kids, you know, people who were like, I don't know who the heck is Rush. I don't know. Oh, I got to see this. Yeah, I, I don't know if really if, good. if Neil passing is, it would really create more fans. I, I think they were so ingrained. But I, I think it's more Created like new fans. Yeah. I mean, they're shocking. Like, you know, the young, you know, back in the day, Jim Morrison and Janis right. Joplin and, you know, Nirvana dying young. Mm-hmm. But Neil, you know, lived, he, you know, he was young, but he lived longer. So I sure. think maybe that has a different dynamic on it. Sure. Okay. I can get that. Is that, I mean, most recently, I mean, with the drummer for the Foo Fighters passing yes. away, everyone started talking about uh, Kurt Cobain again. Yes. So, I mean, that just is the, God, I can't, I think because of uh, Dave Grohl had those, you know, two members of his band die very young. And especially when they started to get popular again. So, I mean, that's. It helps. I mean, it doesn't help, but it brings no, up the I, people's No, I, I get what you're saying. I can't talk to no, you. No, that's the fine. Hell? It might have it. something to do with uh, Hard Mountain Dew. <laughs> it might have something we to do with We recorded a <laughs> powerful video yes, review. Watch that. On the YouTube channel of Hard Mountain Dew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to my head a little bit. All right, I got uh, number, what are we at, number four now? Uh, would be uh, the one I chose next would be Rebel Rebel by singer-songwriter David Bowie. It was released in the UK in 1974. It was the lead single for the album Diamond Dogs, and uh, it was written and produced by Bowie. He did a lot of his own songs that way. Uh, It's based around the distinctive guitar riff reminiscent of the Rolling Stones, and it's cited as his most covered track. Rebel Rebel has been described as Bowie's farewell to the glam rock movement. Of course, he was like right in the middle of glam rock uh, with everything he was doing. Upon its release, though, the song uh, was a commercial success and it peaked at number five on the UK singles chart and it went to 64 on the Billboard Hot 100 Dags. 
Uh, the song received critical acclaim for the guitar riff uh, and its strength as the glam rock anthem. Uh, several publications consider it to be one of Bowie's greatest songs. Do you see what I'm saying, though? That only went to 64, Rush 55. Right. Yep. So those charts are meaningless. Right. Now, it was uh, originally planned uh, in late 1973 as part of a Ziggy Stardust musical, um, but uh, that was canceled. The Ziggy Stardust musical was canceled, but they still released the song. Probably for the best. Probably for the best. You're right. Yeah, I mean, that was, uh, it, it's good. It was like, like when Garth Brooks had his alter ego and they tried to do a movie out of that. <laughs> should have just not even, Chris Gaines was his alter yes. ego. Yeah, they should have just not even released an album, do anything cool. The, uh, the B-side to this single was a song called Queen Bitch. Now I want to hear what that is all about. Never heard of that one. The other, so glam rock is like the main genre. The other, the other genre they, they tag this to is proto-punk. Proto-punk. Yeah, I have no idea what the heck proto-punk is. But yeah, that's got that. Now, we heard two different versions. We heard like what the original version was, and then we heard what the remastered versions all start with the, the guitar riff uh, that I think everybody is used to hearing Yes, at the beginning of that. And so they, they, it just sounds different when you hear the original. What version do you like better? I like the remastered ones where you start start off with the guitar riff. Yes. If you've got a guitar riff, start but the, off. But the thing is, a lot of people with bands, they love bands and they say they're so great, but the people they don't talk about are the producers and the engineers that make them sound great. Right. Because these are talented dudes, all these bands, but the producers, the engineers, the mixers. Mm-hmm. So if you hear, the, like you said, the original version and what they do, right. to make, it's incredible. Right. There's so much talent on these teams. Yeah. And I, I like, like Rebel Rebel. That's the only way I've ever heard it really is the, with the guitar riff in the beginning. So when we heard the, uh, the original, I guess it would be what the release single version of it. It was, uh, didn't start off that way. It's got really slow in the beginning. So, but yeah, that's the, the Rebel Rebel guitar. And yeah. It's pretty sweet. You like that intro guitar? I do like that yeah. one, yeah. No, it, it is classic. What's cool, you were talking about different styles and versions of songs like i want you to want me cheap trick right have you heard yep. the studio version no i've only heard the live one night and day difference is it really yeah you got to check it out i didn't even know there was like a studio yeah version. because the, the live version <laughs> is live from budokan that's the one that we all know and love right yep but if you hear the studio version i'll play it for you later total yeah. different song yeah because you're so used to like the crowd singing back to yeah and you're used to Bunny Carlos just dun, 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 cranking right, out the yeah. drums in the beginning. Yep. Oh, it's great. So my next song I picked for powerful top guitar riff is Whole Lot of Love, of course, by Led Zeppelin. It's the number one opening track on their second album, Led Zeppelin 2. What's crazy about it, it was released as a single in 1969. I mean, do you realize how hard that song is? And in 1969, it was all peace and love and psychedelic right, rock. yeah. Isn't that amazing? That's pretty sweet. Yeah. That's like uh, ahead of their time. Oh, way ahead stuff. of their time. I mean, they took, they took, you know, they were into blues and right. muddy waters, that kind of stuff. And they took it and just flipped it and made it hard. Yeah. They took what you would typically think of what blues would be and changed it. Yeah. And, and, I, and a lot of people argue that, you know, Jimmy Page r- ripped off riffs, which is, you know, 
you can argue that, but you can also can't deny he's a great guitar player. Right. His riffs are iconic. There's a lot of songs that get ripped off though, but you can't copyright notes. That's the problem. You know what I mean? So yeah, I mean, I mean, you yeah, know, you're if inspired. You did, if you didn't, yeah, it's yeah, you're going to be inspired by other people. Yeah. Gonna I mean, there's a, I see the arguments on both sides, but anyway, whole lot of love. 1969, when they were singing "Peace and Love," and <laughs> and they were singing about a whole lot of yeah, love. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every inch of my love. <laughs> yeah, a lot yeah. of lot of sound effects. In yeah, there is that song yeah. too. Powerful song. Whole lot of love. What do you got next, Mike or DJ Riz? I have Seven Nation Army by the White Stripes is what I have next on my list. I mean, my God, Jack White can get any sound out of any guitar and turn it into a hit. I mean, it's just, it's awesome. I mean, any of his songs, just listen to his guitar and it's just two of them. So yeah, pretty complex drumming, huh? Yeah. (laughs) 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 yeah pretty much all their songs are like the same same drum beat uh but yeah like i said they're a rock duo from here in the united states uh it was the opening track of their fourth studio album elephant that was released in 2003 uh and the record label released the song uh to american alternative radio on february 17th um, as the lead single to that album worldwide the single was issued uh, as well to good acclaim on radio stations around the world it was written and produced by jack white and the song consists of uh, the distorted vocals that you are used to from the white stripes the simple drum beat as you get from all of the white stripe songs um, and then the riff is like a bass i think it was it's like a bass themed but i don't think he, he did it on a bass guitar because he's good at being able to get different sounds out of guitars. He was on a documentary. It was him, Edge, and there, I think there was another guitarist. Jimmy Page. Jimmy Page. It was, but it, what was the name? Was it like, it's going to get loud or something like that? And I think one of the questions the producers asked all three of them was they asked Edge, if I gave you a broken guitar, what would you do with it? And he said, Edge said, I'd try to fix it, and then, then I would you know, get it playable again. And they asked Jack White what he would do, and he's just like, I would just play it and see what sounds I'd get out of it. And it's because they're, they're two different ways of thinking, and Jack White's way of thinking is, is, how can I get this to sound different and iconic and put my little twist on it, uh, which I think is genius in my mind. So to try to get that on there. Here's the, the charts, Dags. So look, yes. at, look at all of those charts. He's showing me charts. Yes. Yeah, that's right, because it's good for a podcast when I just say look at it, and you can't see it. So in 2003, it's charted on Australia, Austria, Canada, France, Germany, Ireland, Italy, Netherlands, a couple of times, the UK, the Hot 100. It reached 76. But this, I think this is one of their best songs that they released, and it only got up to 76. Yeah, definitely iconic. Right, but it reached number one on the U.S. alternative airplay list. Uh, the UK indie list uh, reached number four in Germany. Um, I mean, and, and it just goes on and on and on. I mean, it, if, if there's a country out there, it charted on their charts. Yes, powerful song. Yeah. Classic. I don't know. If, if I was an artist, I don't know if I'd rather have 72 different charts or just one chart that got me to number one. 
Yeah. Is which one would you hang, hang your hat yeah. on? I mean, either way, you're getting paid. So I guess it like like I said, the charts are meaningless. That's it. Yes. Except for the Hot 100 or or our podcast, whatever charts. <laughs> <laughs> however, we're charting. That's very important. We're going to need you to check out our podcast. It is available everywhere. Fine podcasts are found. Do us a favor, wherever you do listen to podcasts, leave us a review, rate it. Five stars is the highest rating. If you do that, you will unlock the secrets to DJ Mike Arez's hat collection. How many hats do you have? Uh, 74. Just kidding. Excellent. I have like eight. Yes. I just wear the same two in front of me. <laughs> so yeah, wherever you listen to podcasts, please leave us a review, rate and review. Make sure you like our Facebook page. Follow us on Instagram. Powerful. We have powerful merch. Check us out. On Twitter, it's at Amazing Pop Pod. Now, Mike or DJ Rez, I'm going back to hard rock, Stranglehold, Ted Nugent. Powerful Nuge. song. Debut single, first track from self-titled debut, 1975. The vocals are by Derek St. Holmes. Joining us this morning from Los Angeles is David St. Hubbins. But the part where they say sometimes you want to get higher is actually Ted Nugent. It was also... Co-written by Rob Grange, that he gets no uh, credit. So a lot of times people think it's just Ted Nugent, but it's a lot of different dudes. But it's a powerful song, over eight minutes long. We know me and Mike or DJ Rez love those songs that take a break. The guitar solo was recorded, take, check this out, was recorded in a single take. I don't believe you. Yes. Well, believe this. <laughs> <laughs> it's powerful, isn't it? That's pretty sweet. Yeah. It's the entrance theme to NHL, you hockey fans, uh, Chicago Blackhawks, and also uh, Kevin Von Erich. Kevin Von Erich. There's a blast from the past. He'd come in and play it at Stranglehold. And I played that for you before you recorded just to get us hyped up. But isn't that a great guitar riff? It is a good guitar riff. I, uh, I didn't know his debut album was 75. Seems like he's been around forever that he would have come out before 75. Well, he was in a band called the Amboy Dukes. That's okay. Yes. That's his first solo Journey album. to the Center of Your Mind. There we go. You probably heard that tune. I bet I have. Yes. Yeah. Powerful. Yeah. But I, there's a song uh, by YouTube. I always say that they ripped it off. Bullet, The Blue Sky. I played that for you. Right. And there we go again with more people. Probably got influenced by the De- song. Yeah. Definitely influenced yep. by Stranglehold. But who, who wasn't? I mean, that, that's just a hypnotic song. Right. Yeah, no, it's a good song uh, by the Nuge there. Um, it uh, gets you going for sure. And like you said, wrestlers have used it as their entrance music. The Blackhawks use it and gets the crowd going. So it's really going to get the crowd pumped. And then it's, like you said, eight minutes long. So take a break. Powerful. Wait yes. at a wedding, take a break, have a cigarette, drink a beer. What do you got for us? Uh, the next one I have, uh, and... The friends are going to be playing this one in their head as I start talking about it. Walk This Way by Aerosmith and Run DMC. I like that version better than the original. Because um, they chopped up the guitar. They did. They chopped up the guitar on that one. Uh, it was written by Steven Tyler uh, and Joe Perry, and it was originally released as the second single from their album Toys in the Attic, released in 1975, which was one of their best albums that they ever released. It peaked at number 10 on the Billboard Hot 100. It was part of a string of successful hits uh, in the 70s for Aerosmith. Now in the 1980s when it was covered by 
hip hop group uh, Run DMC had helped revitalize Aerosmith's career, which seems kind of funny to say that it revitalized their career in the 80s when they had just like started in the 70s. And that was off of the 1986 album Raising Hell for Run DMC. And the cover was a touchstone for their new musical subgenre of rap rock. Um, and for uh, Run DMC, I should say, and it was a melding of rock and hip hop, obviously. The version with Run DMC became an international hit and it helped both groups win Soul Train Music Awards for Best Rap Single. And in 1987, the Soul, uh, in 1987, on the Soul Train Music Awards, both versions are in the Grammy Hall of Fame. Yeah, definitely iconic guitar riff. Yeah. Classic. <laughs> yes. And I liked how Run DMC chopped it up too. Yeah, I like the the video where they're competing bands next to each other in the worst rehearsal space ever created. You would not stick those two bands together in a in with a wall that's this thin paper. (laughs) I always wonder if uh, if they would have took a fog hat album, what would have (laughs) happened? Slow ride, take it easy. Yeah, it'd sound iconic. The the world may never know. That's right. They probably would have won another uh, Soul Train Music Award for Best Rap Hip Hop Single. So I'm my last song I'm going with is Judas Priest, Living After Midnight. Powerful song by the British heavy metal band Judas Priest. Came out originally 1980, British Steel. Hmm. Remember British Steel when we played that powerful song, song of the day? No, I never yeah, remember I stuff. You don't remember anything? No. I've got hard Mountain Dew on the yes, brain. Yes, I know. It, it's <laughs> iconic. Drums come in, and then the the guitar comes in, and Rob Helford just banging out the vocals. Turns out he he came up. They came up with the song at four in the morning. Whoa! After midnight. It's one of your best times yes. to uh, create stuff. Yes. Think they were song. drunk or high or both. I don't know. I'm not going to say. I'm just saying they were up. <laughs> they, they were up. At they were living past midnight. Yeah, they were probably, you know what? They probably woke Living up early. After midnight. They woke up early that day. Yes. And they were like, we got to get started early because we're a responsible rock group. Yes. Yes, they <laughs> No, it's, it's a great rock song. It's classic, and it's short. It's only about three and a half minutes long, but it's just iconic. And then, you know, breaking the law. I mean, Judas Priest. Right. Is awesome. Even Breaking the Law has some good guitar. Oh, it does. Uh, I mean, I was I, no, no. Breaking the Law was right up there too. Yep. I would, I would like. We got to hear both of them back to back. All right. We'll rock it out after. Hell yeah. All right. My last song that I have chosen is the song "Today" by the Smashing Pumpkins. Uh, it was written by uh, lead singer and guitarist Billy Corrigan, and he's the one that performs the guitar riff in that one uh now the song itself it sounds upbeat right it's got sounds like some upbeat uh stuff going on but the lyrics are super dark and billy corrigan wrote the song uh about a day in which he was having some suicidal thoughts so it's one of those songs that makes you think that it's happy but it's not very happy if you actually listen to the lyrics kind of like uh my future's so bright you gotta wear shades yes or you think it's enough ten buck three dance song but it's really about nuclear war or nuclear bombs going off so the contrast between the the grim subject matter of the song and the uh the soft instrument instrumental parts of the 
of the song and verses uh, kind of help with the irony of the lyrics, which I think throws people off. And if they're actually like listening uh, to the song itself, uh, it kind of makes you unaware of what it's actually about, which is about <laughs> depression and desperation. Uh, but yeah, it was released in, or recorded in 1993 and released on September 30th. See, I love walk, looking at the charts to see where they're at. And You're um, into the charts. I, I love the charts. I can't help it. Um, on the uh, Billboard, uh, the, oh, they didn't even hit the Billboard Hot 100, but on the U.S. Radio Songs chart for Billboard, it reached 56. Um, and the U.S. Bubbling Under Hot 100 singles, whatever that is, it reached number three, and that's the highest ranking it had. And on the U.S. Alternative charts, it reached number four. Uh, but it also uh, charted in Australia, Canada, New Zealand, and the U.K. Excellent. Yeah, I remember listening that that song was getting played a lot. I'm surprised it didn't chart higher because that was one of those songs that... But that's what I'm saying. The charts are meaningless. Yeah, because they played it a lot. Yeah. And that's usually what the charts are based off of is radio airplay. And it yeah, was but... on 93, what well, was 93, Edge, the Edge back then here in, here in Minnesota. It is now a heavy metal rock station it was like a, the alternative station back then. well now it's oldies because there is right. no more rock <laughs> true anymore. yeah that is true it is the oldie station <laughs> that's like the only true oldie station we have here excellent so what why do you like that song uh i like it because it uh it i think because it does trick you with the uh it sounds a little upbeat and uh like i was <laughs> i started singing a little bit of it before we started recording uh, I had no idea that it was about suicidal thoughts, though. Yeah. And it's just sad. Are you a lyrics guy or, or music and melody and uh, beats? And- I can be about the music, like the lyrics part of it, but I, I'm more, a song really captures my attention with the beat and, and maybe some of the, the music itself. But the lyrics are like third or fourth on my list of what I listen yeah. to. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm lyrics or nothing. Yeah. Powerful. Well, I hope you guys uh, enjoyed our list. We'll go over it real quick here. I had Money for Nothing by Dire Straits, Limelight, Rush, Whole Lot of Love, Led Zeppelin, Stranglehold, Ted Nugent, and Living After Midnight, Judas Priest. Mike or DJ Rez, what did you have? I had uh, The House of the Rising Sun by The Animals, Rebel Rebel by David Bowie. Seven Nation Army by the White Stripes, Walk This Way by Aerosmith, uh, Slash and Run DMC, depending yes. on which version you'd like to listen oh, to. Oh, Slash played? Oh, yep, Slash was on oh, it. Oh, okay. <laughs> and Today by the Smashing Pumpkins. Yes. There was no way I was going to pick uh, Sweet Child Oh My. <laughs> I think maybe if they wouldn't have played it, talk about airplay, they played that song ad nauseum, so like I can't even... Yeah. I mean, that opening guitar riff is incredible, but it's like... I heard it way too many times. Right. Yeah. And the, uh, the other one, I think the amazing friends are probably like, Oh, they didn't pick, uh, can't get no satisfaction by the Rolling Stones. That's the one that's like, the was one that your, uh, knows. in your list, your it, honorable mention? It, I would say it's an honorable mention, but I didn't want to put that on the list just because it, it makes so many lists when you talk about guitar riffs. And I no, think when you talk about that, the cool story behind that one though, is that, uh, old what's his face? Uh, the death, uh, the guy who never dies. Uh, Keith Richards. Keith Richards. Thank you, Jesus fucking Christ. I don't know. It's the hard name. Mountain Dew. So Keith Richards was stoned and wasted when he that played the guitar riff and woke up the next day, saw that his 
field of reel had been recording. Had no idea what he recorded, rewound it, and heard what he played. And if he never had recorded it, he never would have remembered about that <laughs> riff. And that's how that's that riff, awesome. yeah, that's how that riff became. Awesome. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this powerful episode of rock and roll music. We just ask you one thing about this powerful episode. Please tell a friend about it. And until next time, you've just enjoyed the Amazing Pop Culture Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Amazing Pop Culture Podcast. The Amazing Pop Culture Podcast is available everywhere fine podcasts are found. Please leave a rating and review where you listen to podcasts. Like and follow the Amazing Pop Culture Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And shop our Amazing Pop Culture merch. This has been an Amazing Pop Culture Podcast production.